Welcome to episode 75 of the Night Shift. My name is Mike Stubbs. Congramard is away today. He's away for the next couple of episodes, but we are going to keep you up to date on what the London Knights have been up to. They played their most complete game of the season against the Guelph Storm on Saturday night. And this was a game that saw the Guelph Storm come in completely perfect. Last perfect team in the Ontario Hockey League. And the Knights ended up with a 4-1 victory over the Storm. And so they get a big win. And it was a test. It was something that saw them, and we're going to hear from London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter, it saw them present themselves with a challenge. And that was to have a better first period because in their previous two home games, they had not had their best first periods. So we're going to talk about the old cliche starting on time. We are also going to hear from Rene Van Bommel. He has signed an OHL scholarship and development agreement with the London Knights. And also at Budweiser Gardens, Kevin Hastings closed out his OHL career. OHL Lions person for 1,038 games. That is an accomplishment plus 1,038. It is incredible. And he's going to be missed on the ice. Kevin Hastings always did a great job, got along well with the players. And we're going to hear from Kevin before the end of the show. A lot of questions about Easton Cowan. Let's begin there. Because this podcast might need an amendment at some point. We'll see. Easton Cowan is on the Toronto Maple Leafs roster to start the season for 2023-2024. Now, we have to be Brad Treliving. We have to be Brandon Pridham. We have to be Sheldon Keefe. We have to be inside the Leafs organization to know what their plans are for Easton Cowan. He had a tremendous camp. He had an excellent preseason. He is only 18 years of age, and the Leafs are a team that plans to try and win a Stanley Cup this year. So here's what I think we need to look at. Congratulations to Easton Cowan for being able to do what he is doing. We also need to look at the fact that once teams became salary cap compliant at 5 p.m. on Monday, a roster had to be sent in. If you look around the league, there are announcements on social media from the Ottawa Senators, the Washington Capitals, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Vancouver Canucks. You want me to name all 31 other teams? Because I will. There are announcements from all of those teams stating, here is our opening night roster. Take a look at Leafs PR, if you follow that. Take a look at any Toronto Maple Leafs social media that comes from the team. You're not going to see that. It does not exist. One of the things to note is that Cap Friendly released a post late on Monday night, and it talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their salary cap situation, and it showed that Easton Cowan was there. If you look at the Leafs, Brandon Pridham, remember, is a part of the Leafs front office and was one of the authors of the collective bargaining agreement. The Toronto Maple Leafs have done an incredible job. So the salary cap in the National Hockey League is 83 0.5 million dollars keep that in mind just let's do some numbers for just a second because this is really impressive so it's 83.5 million dollars the toronto maple leafs cap hit as they submitted their roster was 94 million nine hundred and three thousand nine hundred and forty nine dollars okay they have long-term injured reserve being used to the tune of 11 million four hundred and three thousand. 
subtract the long-term injured reserve because it doesn't count against the cap from their projected cap hit, you know what you get? $83,500,000. Bang on the cap. You can joke about teams being $50 away from the cap. The Toronto Maple Leafs, bang on. And that is with Easton Cowan on the roster. And so the fact that the Leafs have not announced their opening night roster, the fact that they had to be cap compliant by 5 p.m., the fact that contracts like Easton Cowan's allow you to be cap compliant because they are, in his case, $935,833. This is helpful. This is very helpful to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The other thing I look at, and I don't wish any ill will against Easton Cowan. If he's going to make the Maple Leafs and play for the Maple Leafs, Sure, but here's just things that have me wondering. No roster announcement from the Leafs, and there was a big deal made in the media. It became a media story that Fraser Minton had been contacted by the general manager and had been told he had made the Toronto Maple Leafs opening night roster, start of the season roster. There isn't a story like that for Easton Cowan. There are magic words in the National Hockey League. Basically, it's go get a place. That means go and find a place. You're going to be here for a while. You don't have to live in the team hotel anymore. And I haven't seen anything like that. And so what are the Leafs going to do in the next day or so, in the next few hours? That's what we need to watch. When the Leafs announce their opening night roster on their own social media pages, because every team likes to do it, because every other team has basically done it. Then we will know whether Easton Cowan has made the team. I think this is still a decision in limbo. So we'll update this as we go along. I hope this man plays a long time in the National Hockey League. I just haven't seen the, hey, Easton Cowan is a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs to start 2023 and 2024. That's where we sit. Let's look back over a couple of games for the London Knights. They played North Bay on Friday night on October the 6th, and they played Guelph on Saturday, October the 7th. The North Bay game saw North Bay come out really well. They had lost in overtime the night before. They had blown a 3-1 lead, and North Bay is a really good team. North Bay is a team that has a lot of unsung skill on it, and whether it's because the guys have not been high draft picks in the NHL to a great extent. I mean, Ty Nelson, who is one of their best players, was a third-round pick, so maybe it's that. I don't know what it is. I don't know why North Bay doesn't get more credit, because they deserve it. They play very well, they play very hard, and they obviously said to each other, hey, that 3-1 lead that got away in Windsor, that's not happening. Let's go out and build a 3-1 lead of our own. And that's exactly what they did. And it was North Bay that came out flying on Friday night. And they were full marks for building that lead. The Knights will tell you that wasn't their best first period. And then no matter what the Knights did in heavily outshooting North Bay the rest of the way, they just could not beat Dom DiVincentis and an empty netter that didn't even have to go into the net sealed things. So 4-1 that way. And then if we look at Saturday night, the London Knights took on the Guelph Storm and they ended up beating the Guelph Storm by that same 4-1 score. But it was almost like things were flipped a bit. It took two periods instead of one period for the 3-1 lead to be built. but. 
let's face it, the Knights came out and had their most complete game of the year. And one of the things that we got to talk with Dylan Hunter about, and I love talking with Dylan Hunter because it's like hockey 101. It's like a master's class. We talked about starting on time, that old cliche. And here is what he said. You know, it's a lot of things. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, if, if your system uh, doesn't is not aggressive enough. Um, you know, sometimes if you're trying to do new things, one guy's doing it and the other guy's not. And then the forecheck doesn't work. Uh, a lot of the times it's just not being ready to focus with all five guys on the ice. Uh, it can be a lot of things. It's not being prepared before the before the puck drop, uh, not warming up right. You know, maybe guys not having their heads right, to having different motives for what they're trying to do out there. I mean, there's a lot of things. Not saying that's with ours, but quite a few things and I mean you'd be a rich man if you figured out what exactly it is but uh you know it's one of those things I think you have to learn from it that is Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter going into the game against the Guelph Storm and the other thing we talked about was the adjustment that comes when players are coming back from NHL camps and you can look around at this Owen Beck almost made the Montreal Canadiens at the age of 18 and then ended up coming back and winning an OHL championship with the Peterborough Peets and he came back to Peterborough, and you would think, wow, you know, Owen Beck's back in the lineup, and then the Peets get shut out for nothing in that game. You think, how does that happen? Is there an adjustment period? Because Dylan himself has been through it as a player. When you are at an NHL camp and going through the NHL motions, and then you come back to junior. Here's what he said. Absolutely. I, I, I think there's an adjustment in two senses of, uh, like, you know, on the ice with a team. Uh, obviously, players are quicker. Uh, you know, guys can you know, pick up bad passes. You know, guys are, know their positions really. They've done it for 15 years. Uh, you know, on the other sense, individually, when you're up there, you're just trying not to make a mistake. You know, trying to make sure that, you know, you're making all the right plays, not trying to take risks. And then when you come back, you have that sense of trying to make every play. Uh, trying to make sure that you think, you know, you feel not so much selfish, but feel like it's on your shoulders to make a play to make it to help the team because you're already up there. Now it's your turn to come back down here. We've all done it. We've seen it a million times. And it takes one or two games just to kind of get readjusted into, nope, still make those give and goes, you know, still play the same way that got you drafted and that got you up there and just keep improving on that sense. That is London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter. So some interesting thoughts on how the mindset goes for players. And then there's sometimes just a game that will snap you into a run. And for the London Knights, it may have been that North Bay game. It may have been a game saying, you know, when we don't get off the mark right away, we can run into teams that are going to do what North Bay did and take that 3-1 lead and not give it back. And so they made sure that did not happen. How about the game that Denver Barkey had on Saturday night where he winds up with two goals and an assist and was absolutely everywhere on the ice. And you had little passing plays that weren't too fancy, but at the same time, they were opening up open shots for players, whether it was the Jackson Edward goal where Will Nickel comes in. And it was funny before the game, someone asked Will Nickel, you're going to do something that brings the fans out of the seats tonight. And Will said, oh, I'm going to try. And he did. He makes this play to Jacob Julian, who one touches a pass to Jackson Edward. And Edward winds up scoring his first goal of the season. And then Denver Barkey sets up Ruslan Gazazov on this big smash of a one-timer late in the second period that made it 3-1. And then Barkey seals it with an empty netter. But tremendous game all around physical when the Knights had to be physical. You can't be physical for 60 minutes and play 68 straight games. But there were moments where the Knights really showed the Guelph Storm, okay, you want to play it? This is how we can play it. 
and they became very physical. And I think that took some of the edge off a team that had been going very, very well. Guelph will likely say that wasn't their best game of the season because it wasn't. They're a good team. But this was a game that the Knights took control of, and they held control throughout. Now the Knights take on the Peterborough Peets in what is a rematch of last year's OHL Championship Series. And could we see Michael Simpson in a Knights uniform versus Zach Bowen in a Peterborough Peets uniform and a big old reversal of teams? Yeah, we could, but sometimes when you think that's going to happen, for whatever reason, it doesn't happen. The Knights are heading into their first three games and three nights, so who knows? You're going to do what is necessary to give yourself the best chance to win all of the games. So as fans look and go, wow, we can see Peterborough's old goaltender up against the Knights' old goaltender, maybe, sure, but... The odds of that happening, I don't know. For whatever reason, those things don't tend to work out like we as fans would want to see them. I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll find out on Thursday. The Peterborough Peets are off to a much better start than maybe they could have been expected to have because they did lose an awful lot of players, but you learn how to win. And the Peets are 2-1. and one. Uh, They've got 10 goals for, 10 goals against. Their power play, though, has been very good, clicking at 30%. Got a lot of dangerous players on their team, and the Knights will face them on Thursday. We'll have coverage starting at 6.30 with the pregame show on 980CFPL at 980CFPL.ca and on the Radio Player Canada app. Let's talk with Rene Van Bommel because he's another great story. He's from Strathroy, grew up as a Knights fan, watching the Knights win the Memorial Cup in 2016. And then late last week, he signs an OHL scholarship and development agreement to play for the London Knights. And when you're in the midst of playing with the Knights a bit, in the GOJHL a bit, you're getting an awful lot of hockey in your life. And you learn just how you feel about this game for real, because there's a lot of hockey going on. We had a chance to sit down with Rene Van Bommel and talk about what it has been like balancing time in the GOJHL and time in the Ontario Hockey League in London. Yeah, it's, it's a very busy schedule, but if you love hockey enough, it's, it's great because you're on the ice every day with the Knights. And then you got two practices a week in the Goge, and then you have two games in the Goge, and you have the chance to play with the Knights, too. It's just... It's overwhelming, but at the same time, you love it. So you really figured out whether or not you love hockey. That has to be the ultimate test. I mean, this had to be all hockey for the last few weeks. Yeah, and, and yeah, you find out if you love it or not, and, and I love it. <laughs> okay, well, coming into training camp, you know that they're returning an awful lot of players. So what kind of an attitude did you come in with to say, hey, doesn't matter how many players they're returning, I want to make sure that they know I'm here. Yeah, just I wanted to come in and play my game because I know my game is something that can bring the attention that I wanted, and it ended up working, and it's just something that it's awesome because even at training camp, the teammates I was with helped me a lot too. Your game last year saw you lead your team, the Elgin Middlesex Canucks, in scoring, but there's elements to your game that are more than just scoring. So tell us a little bit about your game and how you see it. Uh, yeah. I'd like to be a two-way player, uh, model my game around Matthew Kachuk. He's a bit of a pest out front, but he also likes to get to the dirty areas, but he also has that scoring touch, and that's something that uh, was successful with the Knights and successful in the NHL, and it's something I want to follow in. 
When do you remember starting to watch Matthew Kachuk and noticing, hey, that guy does stuff that I'd like to do? Um, when he first started playing with the Knights, uh, I remember coming to games and watching him, and then uh, I watched it on TV his 2016 Memorial Cup uh, game-winning goal, and that's just what I knew. Yeah, this is a guy I want to be like. So you remember that goal. Where were you when that goal was scored? Because a lot of people in London have memories of where they were. I was, uh, I was in the living room with my parents, and I was watching it on TV, and... It's just something that was very special because it was something me and my family bonded around it too, watching the game. So let's go back to finding out that you were going to sign a scholarship and development agreement with the Knights. What's that moment like? Uh, it's very surreal. It's something that like, I've dreamed about for a long time, especially growing up in Strathroy and being able to watch London. You've always wanted to play for the Knights, and given that opportunity is something I'm very honored and, and proud to have and the chance to do. Now you've been tested as to how much you love hockey now there's there's a little less on your schedule right it's it's now all nights all the time yeah and that's um I'm, I'm honored i'm honored that i had the chance to be brought up and be a full-time knight because it's it's awesome this team's awesome and the history in this organization is great and i can't wait to be a part of this winning culture renee congratulations thank you london knights forward renee van bommel as he signs with the Knights, and he will be here for the duration. A lot like last year with Jacob Julian, who had started the year in the GOJHL and had caught the eye of Mark Hunter. And next thing you know, he's earning himself a permanent spot on the Knights. And then look at Jacob Julian. He became a fifth-round pick of the Winnipeg Jets. Before we close out this podcast, I want to pay tribute to the officials. Remember, please be nice to the officials. Jim Van Horn will be joining us on a podcast in the next couple of weeks. And Jim always has that line. Please be nice to the officials. We need them. Without officials, we have no games. And sometimes officials at young ages will say, forget this. I'm not dealing with these parents. I'm not dealing with these coaches. So before you, you yell anything at an official, even if it's, hey, I'm, I'm just a spectator. I'm allowed to yell at the referee. Okay. But you're setting an example for the people around you that it's okay for them to yell at the referee too. If I was a referee... I would have gone home a long time ago. I would have quit that gig a long time ago. But we have people who are willing to do it. And thanks to them for being willing to do it. And Kevin Hastings not only did it, did it for 1,038 games in the Ontario Hockey League. And he finished his OHL career on the ice. He will stay on with the league. But he's finishing his career on the ice, and we had a chance to talk with Kevin before his final game in the OHL as he stepped onto Budweiser Gardens ice. And we talked about ultimately making the decision, a tough decision, to not officiate games anymore. Well, my original plan was this year, I'm 51, I was going to retire this year at the end of the season. Uh, but last year I had to go and have knee surgery on the same knee I've had done three times. And uh, unfortunately, I have to get a whole new knee replacement now. And it's just my body's beat up and it was time. Um, you know what I mean? It's been a great run, but it's just it's time. The body's done. But I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'd go back and do it all over again. People think, oh, you know what? Officials don't have injuries. Uh, yeah, they do so is this like a wear and tear thing is this from a previous athletic injury yeah it's just uh wear and tear you know what i mean i started playing junior hockey in 1988 and i've gone all the way through till now from playing 
to officiating, so I've never had a stop since I've been 15 years old and just wear and tear. So I had my, I think I had my first surgery in 07, then I went back in 14, and then last year, and there's just nothing left, the knee's done. Well, you fulfilled your quota. You have been an amazing part of the Ontario Hockey League for so long. Tell us a little bit about what made you get into this after playing. Well, I think when I when I came home from the States, uh, a gentleman asked me if I wanted to get into officiating. And uh, I was really, really looking forward to it. I wanted to take the opportunity to be in that team atmosphere and be still be a... I didn't see myself in coaching, uh, being part of a team and going out there and, and working together. And uh, obviously, you know, I got into it quickly and uh, the OHL recognized that and hired me and I was fortunate, but hard work and... Uh, Everything just came came together, and I've been here ever since. You've seen a lot of changes to the way the game has been played because when you first came in, there were a lot of big guys, and they would get together in junior hockey once or twice a game, and you'd have to get into the middle. So take us to that moment when things like that would go on because they don't happen in the same way anymore, and the game's probably better for it, but that was a job of yours almost right off the bat. Well, 100%. It was a different game. It was a completely different game back in the day. And every scrum, every night, you knew there was going to be tough guys from each team fighting. There's going to be lots of fights and that. Um, you know, I played on the edge. And when I played, I like to fight quite a bit myself. But uh, you know what? I, I liked it. It was part of it. It was, I mean, it, it was like a, an adrenaline rush when you're going in to break up those fights and get in there with the guys. Yeah, sure. I, you know, I took my share of shots to the head. But uh you know, it was part of the game back then, and uh, you just embraced it, and you went in there. You know what? Full tilt. <laughs> so do you ever remember any particular punch that uh, you looked and said, I, I got to remember that guy's number next time? You know, so I just, for me, you know, I took some good shots and some fights, and uh, I remember, for, forget the gentleman's name here in London, where it was back in the day, and, uh, man, we had a, it took everything for me to get him off the ice, and we had a good one going on, but you know what, once it's over, they're in the penalty box, or I escorted them off the ice, that's it, it's done there, there's no, there's no grudges, hey, as an ex-player, I realize it's part of the game, and you know what, emotions get high, and let it go, that's it, On drop the puck, and away we go. The game's different now, but maybe something hasn't changed. The relationship you can have with players, you get to know the players. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm a pretty personal guy, and uh, I've been fortunate. You know, mean from you know, it's the greatest junior league in the world, and from the GMs to the coaches to the players, they're great kids out there. You know, I just be personal with them, and uh, you know, me earn their respect, and they'll respect you back. And yeah, you know, you you can always chat with them and and, and talk to them on on a level as a friend, as an official. You know our teammate to their teammate um but no it's uh, you, I, i've been fortunate to have that ability to, to talk to people coaches and players and it's been great kevin hastings joining us kevin one last thing and that is just you know the the memories of some of the things you've been able to do because you've been able to do some cool things what are you going to look back at or, or might it be just i remember one night in mississauga and this happened or what do you think you're going to think back about I think, you know, I've had that question a lot. I, last night I did an interview in Kitchener and uh, Paul Fixer, Fixie asked me the same thing. And, you know, it's a great question. Uh, there's so many games, like Memorial Cups here, obviously 05, Memorial Cup. It was unbelievable. There was no NHL going on. That cup was incredible. Kitchener, I worked the final there. It, w- it was great. I think the biggest thing that I take from my years in the OHL 
is the camaraderie and the friendships I've made with my fellow officials. Some of my best friends in the world are officials. I'm working with Sean Reed tonight. We both got hired in 99. He's one of my best friends. We've been through a lot. We've worked a lot of games together, but I would say my fellow officials, I could not have done this without them. And just taking those friendships and the bonds has been the biggest gratifying, most gratifying thing for me. Congratulations. You are such a respected official and enjoy tonight and uh, enjoy everything that is still to come. Thank you. That is OHL Lions person Kevin Hastings. That is episode number five of the night shift. We will be back on Friday with a recap of Peterborough and a preview of two more games. The London Knights after Peterborough will take on the Kingston Frontenacs at Budweiser Gardens, and then they go to Sarnia. And the Sarnia Sting, how about the Sarnia Sting? Losing all kinds of players, and like Peterborough, a game above 500. Great start for the Sting. They've scored 23 goals. So this is a club that's hard to play against, and it'll be the first meeting between the London Knights and the Peterborough Peets, the repeat of the OHL Championship Series on Thursday. It'll be the first meeting, the rematch of the OHL Western Conference Final on Saturday in Sarnia. My name is Mike Stubbs. You can follow me on socials at Stubbs980. You can follow Kyle Grimard at Kyle, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. And you can certainly follow along on the night season on 980 CFPL at 980CFPL.ca and on the Radio Player Canada app.